Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Just to let you know, this is a two-part episode of Rule of Three. Um, we talked to Eddie Izzard for quite a long time about uh, comedy, his attitude to how jokes work and making stuff up, uh, and we thought we wouldn't cut too much of it. So, uh, yes, listen to this in two parts. Uh, this is Eddie on how he works, how he likes to get inspiration, and obviously, as you'd expect, lots of other stuff, um, and also his love for Third Rock from the Sun, and in particular John Lithgow as a comic performer, and how that's informed his attitude to comedy and acting. Um, so I hope you enjoy it, but it's in two bits. So uh, listen to this bit first, and then there'll be another bit to download later. Enjoy. And welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Jason Hazley. And I'm Joel Morris. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works. Or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is Eddie Izzard. Hello. Hello. Eddie. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We'll not put any specific time. Well, it's actually, yeah. it's sort of afternoon. Hello. But you could be listening to it at any time. In a different time zone. In different time zones. We, we know for a fact from some of our data that we have one listener in Peru. <laughs> Very good. It's a bear. No, um, yeah. It's like, uh, hello is apparently was developed for people on the telephone, wasn't it? Basically, so you, oh, you really? didn't, Yeah, the word hello, because it was like hunting cry, but they developed it because you never knew on the telephone whether someone at the other end was in morning, evening, or night, so you didn't say good morning, you'd say hello, which is what you used to shout across a hunting thing. It's, it's been borrowed. Apparently. I know, so, well, okay, I can understand the, t- uh, the phone. <laughs> yeah. What's the, hun- what's the hunting? Well, was, uh, hello, hello, you're was, there. Was, hello was like a hunting cry, <laughs> like, hi, hello, hello Gen- there, whatever. Oh, to, to other people? Or yeah, just get Because I, so. I know that in a sort of old, because old hunting was designed to keep you match fit 
from the murder oh, right. games, uh, as they used to call them before, Hunger Games. The murder game, you know, because if, you know, kings were going into battle and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's why they did hunting. So you could use control of horse in difficult situations and there's dogs and then there's a borg and then there's going to be a feast afterwards. So it ended up with the boar not having a great time, but... That's what hunting was about. And if we went to war this... with the boars, we were really, really ready. Yes, yeah. yes. They were not going to rule anyone. They were... <laughs> king boar. Actually, he managed to gore the uh, king, so he's now the king. No, but it... so that's that's what they were doing initially. And it's turned into this more foppish thing of let's just attack a, a fox and, and kill him. Um, all the way up to Waterloo, the horse was a key part of battle strategy. I know a lot about military history, as I was going to be in the, in the forces. Oh, yes, of course. Um, uh-huh. But when you get to the American Civil War, it's very interesting, because at the beginning of any war, you start from the end of what's happening in the last war. So um, so they all went in, they used a lot of horses in the American Civil War, but by the end of it, it was uh, siege tactics. It was, um, it was trench warfare. Right. Um, the siege of Richmond and Petersburg, um, when Robert E. Lee was being pressed by um, General Grant, no one could get over their de- defences. It's just like in World War One, it's trench warfare, the machine guns. They had the um, the Gatling gun, all yeah. that stuff had come in, repeating guns, and so it had all shifted. Do you um, find before. knowing all this stuff is useful? It, I, I'm just I'm thinking about with, with, with stand up and things. It's career because you, you always said that that you were inspired by Monty Python. Yeah, that you could fuse silliness with total rigid, well researched interest in the world well i have used i did have i mean i can use any military history i know which i am interested in i use military sort of tactics to get my career to this point if you oh, right. if you, <laughs> that's it well that is or strategy rather than tactics it's, so you, if your tactics are be positive about being transgender don't talk about it that much on stage these are my tactics yeah. my strategy was get it out get in the open uh, my career was taking off i'd come out in 85 but I hadn't told my dad. There was this one stumbling block. My dad, I was advised not to tell dad. It could break him. And I thought, no, dad's tough enough. So six years later, having told all my friends, uh, stand-up career in boy mode was taking off. So we're going from 85 coming out. And so this is 91. And I told him on a Saturday at a Crystal Palace football game. And then I, I talked about it on a Monday. So why am I... But that, that was planned with military... Well, you were, you were working well, out your I was working out the logic. And... Being open was better. That was a better strategy. Right. And then the tactics, you know... Uh, I always get tactics and strategy. But strategy <laughs> is the overall, is the, is the macro of it. And tactics is what you do if you attack... You know, in military, it would be attacking with guns or, <laughs> yeah. or mortars or this or that. Where... where um, if I can use intelligence, if I can muck about and be silly with being transgender, my, my first ever joke, this was my first ever joke, I'll, I'll relay it to you. Um, uh, and I thought this would put me in a good place and, and it explains things, but no one actually believed me at the end of it. So I I said this joke on a Monday night at the new material night at um, is it yeah. the Market yeah. Tavern? Yeah, yes, yeah. the Market Tavern. So upstairs there, and I'd worked at this could work, but I was in boy mode when I said it. So they just thought it was just a funny joke, and then I moved on. Um, But it was basically, I said, if you're going to do stand-up, you've got to talk about something. And and so if you are, if you're a minority, it can actually help here. Because if you are, say, an ethnic minority, you can say, oh, white people, it's so easy. You know, God, you can rail against that. Or if you're a woman, you can say, ah, it's men, men, always running the things, and we're just trying to fight for equality. What was the other? Oh, if you're a low-income background, you say, oh, rich people. So if you're a white male... Uh, Mike Mail stand up that, that is just useless so thank god I'm a transvestite <laughs> so that was my first joke wow which I'd had for about four years in my head one joke and a plan to 
I'd told everyone, but I hadn't introduced it into the stand-up. And I knew if the stand-up was going to take off, I was going to move into this lie position where I was just not... It wouldn't be a lie overt lie, but you just wouldn't be mentioning it. But you think, oh, my career is so important. I'm not... Uh, I can't say this now. I just thought it is... It is I've got to do this because I, I wanted to be in Special Forces and, and it sounds crazy, but I know all about SAS, David Sterling, Paddy Main, who took it over when David Sterling was captured. And so instead, if I'm not going to do that Special Forces, I was going to do what I've, I've said is um, civilian Special Forces. <laughs> this was coming out. If people are going to scream at me in the streets or, scream, or if my career was going to go, whatever it was, I'm going to battle that. And I'm the right person to do that. And other people have, have done great work down down the years. And thank God for Stonewall and uh, yeah. or thank the stars because I don't believe to God. Thank stars for Stonewall and a- any activist before I came along. But I just thought if people are going to scream at me in the streets and uh, and and abuse me, then I'm going to give them back as good as they give me. And if they try and fight me, I will fight them back. I'm not a great fighter, but um, I never trained in that. <laughs> but um, that was my plan. So that was the st- overall strategy: was get it out in the open, no matter where the chips may f- fall and then I did that one joke and everyone thought funny but not real then I had to do a gig in a dress and that was even more key and that was in the old uh, Meccano club and and I knew when I said, they said the first joke I said that joke so I thought okay and I'm in a dress and oh he's wearing a dress because oh, there hadn't been no announcement mm. why would there be was there a different laugh no, no, doing it no, no. Uh, just I, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't monitor that with my equipment. <laughs> so no data. That just, recorded. that just worked. And then I thought, now I'm going to talk about Daleks and how in the old days they couldn't go upstairs <laughs> yeah. uh, before the new version. And uh, so I had a lot of things on Daleks, and, and I thought if they can accept Daleks from me in a dress, then my career is there because I was just taken off. This is my third medium of comedy as well. So I'd use analysis on that. In fact, I'd use analysis. The analysis came, which is really strategy strategy comes from analysis you analyze and then you you act your strategy out but that came from self-analysis of my own sexuality when i couldn't get an appointment with a psychiatrist at university so i thought bugger this i'll just do it myself and i just lay on my bed with these curtains closed and i went through my brain saying okay brain tell me why do you feel these feelings what is going on in my head and and i tried to do this self-analysis and i didn't come to big conclusions that that guilt and shame was not my responsibility. Other people could have that responsibility. I was I'm a member of society. That was my job to try and knit with my natural boringness. I have a great natural boringness. I think probably most of us do have. And we cover our boringness with layers of interest. <laughs> and um, which is, you know, my, my ability, our ability, any comedian's ability to talk is covers over your natural yeah. boringness. Um, and so I, I uh, my boringness is, is a great weapon because when I meet people, I don't say, come on, let's set fire out of the building let's <laughs> let's do this and that and then Jane I just say hi uh, cup of tea yes cup of tea would be fine thank you very much and I just I'm very, my natural boringness really helps is that what we all have in common is an inner boringness probably is the hope for mankind is that we're all quite boring um, it's kind of live and let live treat other people who like to be treated yourself most people are in that thing you know and, and people who get into you know extreme uh people in extreme politics they are such a minority and the vast majority of the world you know 7.5 billion people it's going to be (laughs) 7.4 billion plus you know you know many millions as well are going to be generally live and let live you know fairly tolerant fairly this you know otherwise 
they know it's just not very practical. Whereas some people are saying, no, we've got to be very extreme in these ways. Who's got the energy? <laughs> yes, who's got the energy? I'm anyway. So if that has answered the question, so yeah, I talked about dialects, and then it took off. So I knew that that was my strategy. So it was having this military mind that I was fascinated by these things that had happened in in battles, but I thought I can apply that to life, to career, um, getting America. How do you get America? Yeah. Um, you know, because everyone said, well, you can't because the no, no one in America likes British humor. Monty Python? Oh, yeah. But that, what? You know, and I and, and Python hadn't designed it to work. They put, John Cleese says they were all pretty sure it wouldn't work in, in America. Yeah. But then PBS in Dallas put it on and it took off. And I thought, well, if, if, if they can do it, then surely another person could do it. And I love their stuff. So my stuff's influenced by theirs. Yeah. And, um, and I worked out that all I did, I, tr I analyzed it all. And I worked out that New York was the place to get. If you do a TV career thing, this is an answer to a long question, isn't it? We no, it's stuff. no, it's but, great. Um, the, the, if you go in and you try and do a TV series, if you've got your own hit TV series, it can flip over, which, um, you know, absolutely fabulous, Monty Python did. That's fine. Yeah. But if you're going there to go and get it, I did the U2 approach, basically. And I, and I looked at touring, but New York first, because they are the tastemaker, not only of America, but also of, of North America, including Canada. And that was interesting. And I worked at New York, just play New York until New York gives in. And then I could move out from there. That was my... That's totally wow. military, isn't it? You yeah, found a weak is. point, like a like a, a thermal exhaust port you can fire in. And, and yes, it was... I wouldn't call it a weak point. It was the en entry gate, because no one's oh, yeah. actively trying to stop you. Who's, it's who, just... As an undefended gate, almost. Yes, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's... But it's, no, it's also the tastemaker. It is yeah. the tastemaker. And if, if you did LA, came in LA, that wouldn't work. If you did a film, and, that, and, that, and some people did go in and do films, they got a good role, starring role, and if it didn't work, boom, that's the end of that, because they're not going to get a second film. Whereas I could go in and fail on the on in an 80 seater PS122 in 96 then PS122 in 97 I played it for a month in the 80 seater then I did I think 3 weeks in a 120 seater and then in 88 I came back and did 4 months in a 300 seater and that was dressed to kill then I took that to the west coast and it was all and, and but after the first gig I knew it would work because there was this weird thing that <laughs> Americans will not understand the words you say and I yeah. thought oh, I don't think that's that's going to be true um, but the references will will break down. That's the thing. Curly Whirly will not translate unless you tell them what Curly Whirly is. So once you've explained Curly Whirly, this is the thing I said, <laughs> you, in, even in French, you, you say un Curly Whirly, c'est un uh, bonbon. They call it bonbon. It's a sweet. C'est un bonbon de nougat, de chocolat. And it's a, it's a baton. C'est un uh, baguette. Baguette means stick. Because I always thought when I heard a baguette, a baguette was the name of the bread. But in fact, baguette just means stick. Yeah, That's why you can I'm, ask for French stick. It's, I ran into this in, in, uh, in a Japanese restaurant in Paris a few weeks ago. Right. My, my son was struggling with chopsticks and I and I said to, I wanted to say to the to the server my son is struggling with the chopsticks could we have a, a fork and yeah. spoon please and I couldn't I couldn't think I couldn't bring chopsticks to mind so yeah. eat, um, and, but I looked it up quickly and it was baguette because yeah. it's just sticks isn't sticks, it yeah. you eat your Chinese food with two baguettes yeah it's nice yeah. and you play your drums with, with chopsticks yes <laughs> with, with baguettes <laughs> and a you beautiful could, image yes <laughs> So uh, yeah, once you've explained a uh, curly whirly, you can you can throw it into a French show. Uh, je l'ai frappé avec un uh, curly whirly <laughs> or un baguette. Yeah, I hit him with a, a curly whirly. Or, or well, there's, a... there's constantly a question of that whenever you're working in collaboration with other people, and the, the, the thing you're often told as a writer or a comedian is they won't get that. And it's really good to say, well, if we help them get yes. it, they can get it. They can get anything, and it's also interesting. 
if you consider that going back to Python, I know I'm, I'm going all over the comedy map here, but go back to the goons who influenced Python so much yeah. that John Cleese used to listen to the radio on the Thursday repeats with the radio up against it with one ear and a cushion on the other ear to hear one joke that he missed, which is stuff that I've done. So it couldn't escape through the other ear. Yeah, well, just because you want to hear, what is that? Why is everyone laughing so much? I remember tracking uh, John Cleese's early career, which I'm very fascinated with, all the Python's early points before they get to Python. And when people saying, very good, John, of, you know, uh, whether now at last the 1948 show, mm. um, I think they started to push the boat there, but even before that, say the Frost Report. Yeah. Very funny, lads, but it won't work in Woking. Yeah. This kind of thing. But they'd already knew that it would work in Woking from the goons, interestingly. But they sort of unlearnt. The, yeah. the learning process and gone back. No, mainstream's much better because Goons is more of a cult thing and Python is more of a cult thing. So not everyone gets um, this it, alternative stuff. But is it to do with people, not to do with necessarily the references, but how much work an audience is willing to do? So a certain type of audience is willing to meet you halfway and maybe a more mainstream audience will go, I don't get what you're saying and then we'll pull back. Uh, there's a bit of that, but when I, I, I did a TV show, a very mainstream TV show, and you know I was supposed to be someone who people had heard of, but it was quite a mainstream audience. And I was talking about um, uh, Caesar, did you ever think he would end up as a salad, this piece I had? <laughs> and then the chicken Caesar salad was is now more famous than, than chicken Caesar, more famous than Caesar salad, because Caesar was advised by chickens in a lot of his battles, <laughs> particularly the Battle of Alicia. And then I get into Caesar and, and chicken, so I should build a wall around uh, Elise. <laughs> and uh, so Vercingetrix will come. Oh, oh. So I had this chicken dog, and the mainstream audience did not get where I was going. And I think they thought I was talking about Mark Antony, and maybe they thought maybe it's just information in because you have to for alternative art, uh, cinema, um, comedy, music, you have to know the basics to be able to move up to the alternative. Yeah. So if you take music, everyone knows, okay, three-point progression, certain melodic things. Now, the alternative musician is going to be screwing with that, mucking about with it all over the yeah. place yeah. and working against those norms so that they don't go into that because we've all heard that and it's just playing it over and over again. And that's what we do in comedy. I like doing this one. My, I, I keep throwing it into the show. My wife's gone to Jamaica. <laughs> Is it? No, is it? My wife's gone to the West Indies. Yeah, wife's gone. To, I'm, I'm trying to play with that thing. So my wife's gone to the West Indies. Jamaica, no St. Bart's. That's one. Then my wife's gone to Jamaica. Did you force her? Uh, yes, uh, at first. But then she was, you know, just go into that joke and then keep doing yeah. different versions yeah. of it. My wife's gone to the West Indies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. Oh, well, good. You sometimes yes. hear that sort of playfulness in kids where they learn the shape of a word of the chicken cross the road or a knock knock, and then they, yeah. they retell it in their own rhythm, and it doesn't follow the rules, but there's something equally delightful in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, almost I, like playing with it like well, a child. That is, yes, the, the child playing, that I definitely think is uh, particularly in comedy, the child with the adult brain. I like doing another joke where I go, an Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman went into a pub with a Welshman, a Chineseman, a Burgundian crossbowman, two kippers, <laughs> a fridge... A monkey from outer space, Tutankhamun, uh, three Tutankhamun, and and the Pope, and the barman says, right, who's first? And the Pope says, uh, I have half a shandy, and then the fridge says, um, why, why are you serving him first? He, he was last on the whole list. I think he came in slightly early because I've got a machine here, said the barman, and I'm not going to do the joke. I'm just going to go with this long, long. There is no joke there. And it just goes on. And then the rabbit said, where were lads? I'm outside. What am I? Keeping KV out here? He said, yeah, you're keeping KV in case the normal police come along. The mainstream audience police come along. <laughs> oh, right. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll put my, my ears in a, in a bun later as a sandwich. <laughs> 
So you just just talking rubbish. This is what I've trained myself to do: is talk rubbish. Any good gig for me is when I make up stuff and, and make myself laugh, and then I just sometimes say to the audience, is that, just that's watching. presumably part of your principle, is it? You do actually want to make yourself laugh. Yeah, well, at the that's same the time. that's yes, because I've seen all my gigs and I know what I'm doing. I'm yeah. the only one that's seen every minute of every gig, uh, and I know when I'm doing good stuff and when I'm doing medium stuff. And if I can kick myself into another plane where I'm in the zone, or any of us could get into yeah. the zone, then you you're no longer caring about anything except you're you're playing and you're floating and you're you're on this um, you're surfing a wave of nonsense. And, and I've done it in French and German. I'll, I'll tell you the German one. Um, so I was mucking about in German. And this, this group, I said, I talk about Henry VIII in the show. And I said, Henry VIII, he ate everything. I had alice gegessen. Essen is to eat. So I had alice gegessen. That's past tense. So I had alice gegessen. He ate everything. He had uh, all die Schweine gegessen. So Schweine is Schweine, pig. He ate, he ate pigs. So I was like, oh, and I do pigs. Like he's in there in a blender. Oh, and the Aldi Kua, Kua is a cow, very close again, Anglo Saxon. And they had Aldi, Aldi Schafer, I guess. And Schafer is a sheep, very close again. Schafer gets outside Ein Schafer, except for one Schafer. And he, he, I was a bit in Anders, a little bit different. Uh, he's a Schwarze Schaf, is the black sheep. And he was, he was very cool. And a Trek Sonnenbrille, he wore dark glasses. And I, I had two years in detective school. Gemacht. <laughs> did two years in detective school. And, and Isaac Hayes wrote a song about him that goes, duh, 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 duh. Who's the cool detective? Schaff. John Schaff. Now, I did this. It's a, it's a John Schaff joke with, with, with a T, but I'm just doing it as Schaff. And I did this to the Berlin audiences, and I could see them. They have to wait 30 seconds for, to see what on earth are you talking about? Where are you going with this? This is just stuff. And then, especially when it gets into dark glasses and the two years in detective school. And I could see not all of them getting it, but some of them getting it. He's playing around with a, jo a shaft joke. Um, so what does that prove? Oh, that's playing like a child. And that joke, I kept forcing that joke on them, even though it takes such a long time to set up. <laughs> <laughs> but I love doing that because then that's the advanced level of, you know, yeah. so we're in this, I'm in my third language and I'm improvising. I'm playing around with the word shaft because it sounds like shaft. And in English, that T is quite silent. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, in, in German, I'm asked, ach, mein dritter, mein dritter Sprache, my third language. And every night, can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. even in German. Yeah, because <laughs> every night, this is what I do. I put the word fuck into uh, words like ausgezeichnet is one of my favorite words. Yeah. It means excellent. Ausgezeichnet. So I say ausgefuckingzeichnet. <laughs> and I would love to say that. And every night in, in, in Madrid, I was jumping on stage and saying, Madrid, buenas fucking noches. <laughs> and I just love to say that because my teachers back in my childhood would have gone, now, well done, buenas noches. But you, you, bad, bad <laughs> swear word. Ausgezeichnet, yes. That's T-S. You got that pronunciation good. But that's bad, bad, bad. So well, well, well done. And bad, so put your hand out. But, you know, it's like... Um, I love the fact that it's bad but good. And uh, in French, I was saying, uh, what was I saying? Um, uh, Absolute fucking lumor. Yeah. I said, should God have come down and flicked Hitler's head off? If there was a merciful God and Hitler and 60 million died, should he, est-ce qu'il doit intervenir? Should he have intervened? Absolute fucking lumor. And il doit intervenir. And, and the kids, in, when I was playing, I played for 10 weeks in 2011 in Paris. And uh, they were saying, nous disons maintenant absolute fucking lumor. They, <laughs> the French kids were saying, 
it because it sounded fun. Well, it's a positive thing. What there, there's a I don't know what the, the technical linguistic term for it. That, there's a, there's swearing, which is swearing when you're angry. There's swearing for uh, to to give force to something, to say you're yes. enjoying something. And the, the joy of that, all those is that you're using another language, and you're not saying I'm finding it hard. You're saying I'm playing. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, playing yeah. in a way that. That, that very polite people would very posh people would say now that's not right naughty play you yeah, must go naughty. to hell, hell. Yeah, it's you must go to hell forever but yeah so I yeah I do love doing that can I can we go back to the market tavern because coincidentally I was reading Stuart Lee's new book uh, March of the Lemmings this weekend and he mentions the fortnightly billing from the market tavern in 1990 was him, Jimmy Miller, Joe Brand, Hattie Hayridge, Mr. Nasty, Simon Munnery, Mark Lamar, Jeff Green, Patrick Marber, and you. That sounds like an absolutely extraordinary place to have been at that time. That was, was that the new material night? Was yeah. it? Yes, that, that was an amazing thing. And I, I couldn't ask to join. You had to be asked. And I felt, I felt there were two social groups when I was coming up through. And this was my third medium of comedy. So I was doing this weird thing of coming in, having been a sketch comedian, 81, 82, 83 in Edinburgh. Then 85 was street, 86 was street, 87 was street, 88 was street. But I'd started stand-up. And 89, uh, I just did stand-up. So by 90, I, I, I'd been doing 10 years in three different mediums. And so I was, I was really enjoying it. It was beginning to work. And I could see it come. I could see it mm. taking off. And then to get invited to come along, to hang out with those guys. And we'd all go for a pizza afterwards in the Pizza Express. Upstairs, we had this. They, they knew we were coming. And I just thought, this is, this is the A-team. This is, yeah. These guys were the, the, the best of the best in London. And just to be there and do five minutes with these people was, was amazing. And so, there's lots of kind of stand-up radicals in that list, aren't there? You as well, but and Stu and Munnery and people like that. You go, these oh, are people who actually were just ripping up the form and going, I'm yeah, going to try something going completely different. Directions. I think I was, I was very unradical. Uh, at that point, I was just going for funny and surreal. That was my thing. People used to say my stuff was very gentle, and I did realize that ah, I don't think gentle is where I'm, I want to no. be. Yeah. And that's why I started <laughs> going into. Why don't I take on I, from Bill Hicks? I thought, oh, if you take on the right subjects, he was talking about, you know, we're shooting bombs into people's houses and we're doing that. Why do we shoot bananas into people's mouths? And I just thought, yeah, okay, if you choose, if you get, if you choose your right subject. So I started going for human sacrifice and stuff like that, on, yeah. and saying. Why did we ever go? The weather is bad. The crops have failed. The gods obviously hate us, so we're going to kill Steve. <laughs> and so you're talking about murder, and then people say, "Whoa, where, where's this coming from?" And are you complaining? Are you next on the list? Oh well, I, good luck, Steve. <laughs> I'll do the washing up. And so you can play in human sacrifice, which is a hellish place. I thought that's a good place for me to be talking about, you know, stuff that's really edgy, uh, war and death and whatever. But how insane that we came up with those things. But the other guys you were mentioning, they were already doing very radical stuff. And everyone was, and no one was telling anyone what to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, everyone was just going off. And I, I'm sure that within that list, not everyone was looking at everyone's stuff and going, oh, this appeals to all of it. Some people were going, I, I don't know. I, yeah, good luck. I was thinking good luck to everyone. And, but some, I like the surrealist more. You know, I always yeah. was Python. But the also the, the, and, there's an assumption that whimsy uh, is weak 
and and surrealism, whereas there's enormous strength in it. Absurdism and, and taking an idea to the end is boring. I think satire. Can I feel be death metal whimsy. Is yeah. what you're looking for. It's, it's the word <laughs> whimsy. Foot on, foot on the monitor whimsy is what you want. The real. You've got to have the word death now. in there. It's like so. I yeah. I do like radical moderate. I'm a radical moderate. So that's those. It, it, there's it's, power in there. there, there well, there's there's strength and there's anger. There can be rage. In it. I remember being impressed by that for the first seeing you do shows and thinking oh, I can see this is animal whimsy and fun and so, and then there, there would be religion and death and murder and, 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 and God and hard subjects dealt with in a way that was incredibly Hard-ish, open. But depending, you know, I think, uh, yeah, God, I just, I just used um, uh, uh, logical analysis on, on God. I'm a spiritual atheist, so I don't believe in the floaty guy. He, if he doesn't come in for 60 million dead in World War II, he's not coming, kids. <laughs> got a bad leg, your mum's got mumps. <laughs> he's not coming. He didn't come for 60 million people dead. It killed in the most outrageous way. So if he's not coming down, I think it's politer to say that he doesn't exist than to say he does exist, but he's a bastard. <laughs> and so that's my just using logical analysis on it. Um, but uh, but I did think my earlier God stuff was, was more playing around with the form. Might be an idea to put this particular episode of Rule of Three into context because this is the third part of a trilogy. Basically, <laughs> we right. did we did an episode with Mark Haynes and Carrie Quinlan about giving up stand up, mm-hmm. and then Joel bumped into Dara O'Brien in Edinburgh, who yes. said, "I really enjoyed that. That was a very interesting, different take on stand up. People who've walked oh. away from doing it." Um, and and Dar- and so Joel said, "Well, listen, why don't you come on Rule of Three? And Dara said, "Yeah, I'd love to because I want to talk about Eddie Izzard's stand-up because I think he basically reinvented it, mm-hmm. and I was hugely influenced by him, which has led to you being on here." Now. Yeah, well, I listened to that, and I just and I wanted to because there were certain questions you guys came up. Yeah. I, I haven't been through back through it and worked out what the questions were, so I <laughs> it was but, more t- having a chance to actually talk to you about your process. Yeah, because there's certain things I was like, I, this is what I did there, and I didn't do that, and I did do this, because I've asked questions about Billy Connolly's process. And, Have and you? I've, I, yeah, and I've said in interviews, you know, in documentaries, and I said, ask Billy, does he does he write it down? <laughs> and I don't think he does. I think he, he does the same thing that I'm doing, which is what a lot of people do, I think, but I haven't actually checked. We don't check with each other how how our process is but some people ask you know they write down the words and then they will say the words and then they'll I assume muck about with it whereas I don't write down any words do, do you so, write anything down do you make no, notes I, for sort of broad topics yes anything? I do topic uh, so I'm talking at the moment I, I went for a run uh, you know my, my marathons I was doing seven marathons in seven days um, just to keep that ability doing it. so I just I just measure them out and off I go and I went past this big house and a dog was woofing as I went past the big gates um, and, and that's happened to us forever. That's happened to everyone forever. There's no comedy in that. But I thought, what if you inject that dog with Fox P2? What would he actually be articulating in his English? What would he be saying? Would he be thief? I think there's a thief. Guys, I'm really pretty sure. I know I'm behind a wall, but that's a thief or a burglar or maybe an assassin. So it got into this dog screaming assassin, which is great. <laughs> assassin, assassin. But um, yeah, dogs jumping up and down and just because dogs go nuts on it. So yeah. anyway, so that's what I'll write down. So dog woofing. I've got, I've got them. I think I've got, what have I got in the thing which I, things I haven't done, talked about. I, 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 some, there's one I talked about, you know, the, the heads on uh, in Easter Island, yeah. which yes. I've been trying to get into stand up form, but I can't get it there. It's interesting. Um, because they built 887, not 888, which you'd think, but 887. So I, <laughs> I thought, what was the first? They obviously sat down and said, "Guys, Easter Island, you know, 
So, Ch- Jerry, well done. You said Easter Island. Shirley, you backed them up. So that was voted through in council. And we call it Easter Island. We're hoping people are going to come look for chocolate eggs. But no one's come because we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I know they call it the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so what now? Uh, sky blue thinking. Out of the box, out of the box. No, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Make uh, all dress up as turkeys. All right. I, I never worked this bit out. These should be really stupid ideas. Why don't we all stand on each other's heads? Yes, okay. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we build a huge head? Okay, <laughs> Kenneth. Yes, a huge head. You're thinking about four foot high. I'm thinking 10 meters high, and it looks like Eagle from the Muppets. Okay, okay. Can we get votes on that? And they get So they got one head. <laughs> And then how did they get from 1 to 887? This was my thing. What, <laughs> there must have been meetings. One they, didn't work. Well, they're going to. Guys, we've got 423 <laughs> enormous fucking heads all over the island. What now? I think another 10 and we'll be there. <laughs> what? Actually, see, this is more laughs than I've got. I've never managed to get it quite working. Oh, so actually. stopping at 887. That, that'll do. Yes, yeah. No more. No more. But eight, one more, I'm at 888. Eight, no, eight, it's perfect. It's perfect. No, that's the sign of the devil. No, it isn't. That's 222 over the sign of the devil. You're right. Um, okay, that doesn't mean anything, does it? Just, uh, what? They were in the middle of making their last one when they all blew up and died. Um, or they all got airlifted off by Martians to live somewhere. Anyway, so I just, I do write down. Do you scribble like notes on your phone and, yes. and in things? And do you understand them all? Because mine, um, no, quite often I don't go back. No, I, I, I put them all out. So, oh yes, I got this thing about Henry VIII. I was, there was this like, you know, never bring, never bring, uh, never bring a knife to a gunfight. I was trying to do that. This is how it right. This actually works quite well, and I should actually put it in the show. So I said, I'm talking about Henry VIII in the show, and he ate too much. He suffered from munch too much, and uh, and he married too much, and, and he just went for it. Basically, he was thinking, you know, he ate too much, he married too much, and he was thinking, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. That's what he's thinking. Uh, or, you know, don't bring a fork to a knife fight. Or don't bring a spoon to a fork fight. Or don't bring a twig to a spoon fight. Don't bring mud to a twig fight. I was trying to see how far I could go on those. <laughs> don't bring a twig to a spoon fight. I, quite like I don't know if it does work, but it might be too much. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, 
Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Where do you find when you're, when you're doing stuff uh, live and you sort of, you know, I imagine sort of the things you're going to talk about and there are areas... I think one of the things that was that was revolutionary and exciting, and Dara talked about it, was the feeling that you were not making it up as you went along, but you were prepared to let looseness be part of it and to have a chance for things to just catch fire. That's oh, that yeah. Is is that is that within That's very the, deliberate? Is that within the sketch parts of it or within no, the actual no, it's writing? Just the whole thing. I noticed. I I was there in the clubs when people would come up with a new thing. The day that they came up with a new idea that caught fire, and and. You would go, oh wow, he's got a new bit and a uh, new piece, and and they would be on fire with it. And quite often in in a in a set, on a twenty minute set, they might go, ba ba la bang, and then I said, and I said, what are you doing there? Ba boom, and you'd hear the punchlines, the set of punchlines, and they, this thing of it would it become a prayer, it had become almost locked in concrete. There was no, some people were delivering it without joy. They got their twenty minutes, and remember that at the turn of the nineties, that's when we started to change material over much quicker. I claim that I am. At, I was at the vanguard of that uh, because I saw it happen, and and there were great stand-ups around me who were doing these set twenty minutes. The idea of, of mucking about in a show when you've got your twenty minutes, especially at the comedy store, don't muck about with it. Just keep that stuff, and nothing could move. Was there a fear of the audience jumping on you if you appeared? Weak yeah, and, and also the promoters saying that, that whole weak section in the middle. I don't, you know, you're, I'm not booking you back. Well, they wouldn't say you're not booking. You just couldn't get the whole of them on the phone. You get notes from promoters in in, the t- in no, feedback. No, they were just they were just not necessarily phoning you back. If you if you struggle in the middle of a show, you know, or you went off. Yeah. And, and the, you know, comedy store late night. You need to be that late night on a Friday, which was you know going up to three in the morning when they're just yeah. drunk, and it's and you and I'm doing Perez de Quayla stuff. <laughs> I was still with Perez de Quayla, and and where I remember Bob Mills told me this is this they're 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 they're, mon- they're monsters out there. They're crazy. They're wild. This is no night to be going to school with Perez de Quayla. Um, because I was shav- <laughs> and all I did was I did my surreal stuff, but very fast, so that I couldn't shout you fucking you know in the middle of it because I was I wasn't taking any breath. I was doing like circular speed talking. Um, uh, what, what were we talking just before that? Uh, oh, having the, the places oh, yes, for new Well, the new material thing, that uh, the turn of the 90s, that's when it came in. Because I was improvising in the Screaming Blue Murder Clubs because they had a re- same audience, quite often regular audience, were coming in. So I thought, I'll try improvising. And it was very difficult. So when you move from, from doing set stuff to just improvising, that's really difficult. But the more I did it, the more I could get it loose. So my style now is like conversational stand-up. So that if I do stop and go, oh, oh look at the wall, because we've got sound. Um, or actually, mm. where we are, we've got soundproofing on the wall. Why on some bits of the wall? Not other, and I could just go off. Yeah. And I, if I could do that in the room, and it sounded like the rest of the stuff, because the other stuff was kind of conversational as well, slash disjointed, then no one could know when I'm coming up with new material. Because that was the thing, that when you were doing uh, set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline, oh, have you noticed how shrimp... When, and they would go into this, oh, my God, this is new material. Tentative. The confidence, the audience would, their, their confidence yeah. in you would drain out. Yeah. And your confidence would drain out. And you could feel this going down if they were trying out new stuff. Wow. Um, so You'd make the colours match. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> match. So I tried to create the whole thing so it all looked like that. So if I'm going off on a tangent, it doesn't actually, it looks like I'm, the whole thing's off on a tangent. And I also noticed that when it was molten, 
that's when your creativity is, when you're just creating it, is molten material. So I've tried to make my stuff always molten because if once you lock it into a prayer, you can't move it after a while. You know, our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name. Mm. People say that as a locked concrete prayer. And if if I was any if I was a religious person out there, and you're, you're getting people to say that, I would say to them, "We're not going to say the Lord's Prayer, but please don't use those words. I'd like you to just look at them and in your head <laughs> yeah. think what you would actually say, because mm. you really want to say, um, "Our Father, right in heaven, you see, oh, oh God, um, um, hallowed be you. We are pray. I'm praising you. I personally, you know, a person, one is praising you because I think that you're very special. Um, give us a day, please. Can we have enough?" food today that would be great and i'm sorry if i've done things wrong but if you said it in your own words then people will begin to mean it but lip service in in yeah. religion has gone on for centuries because people mm. get this is the form just say that and then amen whatever that means yeah. <laughs> i remember um, thinking that at school I remember, i'm actually reading it in the bible it's a pure monty python sketch and they come to mm. jesus and say how should we pray O lord and he goes well something like this and they go we'll learn that and you go no he meant something like this he meant just talk just yes, chat yes. and it's, it's quite a sweet little passage if you read it in the bible he's just saying well just have a chat to glaze your dad just have a little natter that, and then everyone learned literally what he said it's, it's complete life of brian is it's, that in the, in the yeah it's, it, it, the scene is they come to him and say how should we pray or he said a bit like this and like jazz <laughs> like loose oh, and yet right. you learn it off by heart at one point he's doing some preaching and because i think this jesus guy was a real guy whose name was yeah, uh, mexican jesus <laughs> Or no, his real name was Yeshua because that's oh, yeah. the that's the Aramaic, that's the Aramaic name. Yeah. And for Yeshua to come back, if he is supposed to come back, which I don't think he will because no one does, mm. but if he did come back and he say, "I'm Yeshua," how's it going? And they're going, "Well, your religion? <laughs> nah, nah." This guy called Jesus done very well, but uh, that's it. Well, he probably yeah. be, he'd probably be Josh now, wouldn't he? Surely. That's yeah. Well, 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 I mean, Yeshua then, is now. Jesus is the is the is the Greek version of his name. Yeah. That's We're waiting for the return of Josh. Yeah. Just a guy coming back from the shops. Great wise. I think the Yeshua guy was a very wise person who said, hey, guy, live and let live. You know, the birds and the bees, they can do it. Do we have to tear ourselves apart? And he was saying, I think we should adjust Judaism and get it on a better footing and get, you know, uh, get our. It was, he was a hippie, you know, he was yeah. mm. kind of that. He was a, very much a, a 60s guy in, in the 30s. Apple would have signed him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he would yeah. have definitely been hanging out in the Apple offices. Yeah, and I think he was a good guy. And then he died, and then uh, they kept the religion going. And then this Paul guy, who was Saul but changed his name to Paul. Yeah. I don't know what the one letter changed. I can never get that <laughs> because he was a Pharisee. And then he got struck by lightning or something, or the donkey exploded. And then he says, <laughs> oh, I used to be against you Christians. Now I'm for you Christians, and I'm living in Turkey. And he came over in a boat and said, I'm living in Turkey. It's, oh, it's going to be Turkey in the future. And uh, <laughs> I'm with you guys. And he would have had an accident, wouldn't he? He would have been yeah. from, from across the seas. I, I'm totally with you. All this idea is fantastic. What? Yeah, yeah I love it. This uh, Yeshua guy. I'm, totally, I'm kicking ass over here. in the. It's, well, it's got to be Turkey. And I've got this new idea that he's uh, raised from the dead. And he came up with that that yeah. was that was Paul Saul Joel that guy came up with the raising <laughs> for the dead that wasn't built into the original thing that's been added on all the stuff that was added on to it's him. non-canon so all it's all to do with marketing it's who well, you get to do your marketing it's, it's also important. to do with great people coming along and wise thinkers and putting things down and then the next people once they're dead someone says you know what he was really saying here yeah. was murder everyone yeah, if you don't do exactly this, we're gonna make, that's a lot of. Doesn't you know, sound like him. Yeah, you know, Spanish sound. Inquisition to extreme <laughs> radical murderous people in Islam that that they're just you know rewriting what good ideas these these wise people have come along with. Wise men and wise women, and most of the wise women have been written out of history. Let's do this. We're going to try and get from 
the bedrocks of religion to third rock from the sun. Just, uh, at the moment, the, rock, the word rock, rock is the only thing that's I'm, working. <laughs> I, I'm just going to talk about John Lithgow because, well, there's another thing. Yeah. Because this is central. They built it for him. They built Third Rock from the Sun for John Lithgow. And I, when I was seven, I wanted to act. And then I was not, I, I liked comedy. I didn't know you could specialize in it. Then I thought, I, as time went on, I wasn't getting any roles. And I discovered Python. I thought, well, let's forget you know, in puberty, and I just thought, I'm not playing football anymore because I'm in the wrong school that doesn't play it. So um, I'm not being invited to the party, and I'm not the tall, handsome guy. Because I am, a, you know, if you might think I'm transgender, but I'm a wannabe lesbian. So I still fancying girls, but it just wasn't working. <laughs> and so I thought, I'll just do comedy. I won't do drama. But drama was my first love. And... Um, uh, but I noticed, I thought, well, can I do drama? Because I, in 1993, I got a separate dramatic agent. So I have a comedy agent and a dramatic agent. Oh, and, wow. and Yeah, so I separated this out and said, I'm only going for dramas. But I, I worked out that if you get really hit in comedy, because I was trying to hold back, my comedy career was taking off like this rocket. And I was saying, all right, suppress the rocket, slow it down. So it can come down from, you know, Mach 3 to Mach 2, yeah. Mach 1, you know. <laughs> just, get it, just get it bubbling up, bubbling up, yeah, simmering up. But then let's get the drama going. And I was going to bring up this second thing, which doesn't doesn't really fit together, drama or comedy. And I've noticed that if you really hit in comedy, people are very reluctant to you to go over to drama. But yeah. if you hit in drama first, John Lithgow, and then you do comedy, they say, wow, sense of humor. Gene Hackman in yeah. Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Wow, he's really funny. And, and, and I think that's the only funny thing I thought seen Gene Hackman do. But it was really funny when he was the, old he was the blind, blind man. Guy. Yeah. yeah. So, and he does it again in Tenenbaums, and everyone's oh, forgotten yes, he he's brilliant. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. So uh, that was part of my thinking, and then John Lithgow proved it. As many intelligent people know, aliens are all around us. This is the story of a band of four such explorers. In order to blend in, they have assumed human form. This is the High Commander. He has assembled an elite team of experts, a decorated military officer, a seasoned intelligence specialist, and, well, they had an extra seat. I mean, he's hysterically funny. It is weird that they built it for him. I'm not sure what they must have seen him do beforehand. But he is so real in his drama, because the, the essence of, of both of them is, because I've compared them both now, and the essence of good drama is to be truthful. Uh, the, the, the first rule of, of drama is to be truthful, and the first rule of comedy is to be funny. And you can actually be untruthful. You can actually break character. You can make, you can pull a funny face and a weird thing. You can do something against character and still get the laughs. But in in drama, always be truthful, and you're not allowed to laugh, to get tears, to get anything if you're not locked into that character. Um, but he came from one and did the other, and has gone back to the drama. I'm not sure if he's doing, they're giving him comedies now, but it's he's just got a, he's got a theatrical background. He he yeah. he's got the the bearing and a of, film background, a huge of, film background. Uh, but he's got the bearing of like a big actor, like a serious yeah. the way that sort of the the, the theatrical knights have over here, the McKellens yeah. and the Stewarts and things. And he's got this thing, and they've put him into. He was offered Frasier, I think, originally in Cheers, right. and turned it? it down. Yeah. Actually, I don't want to do a comedy. And then having missed out on it, and probably I imagine having seen Cheers and gone, "Oh, this is a very, very good blue chip, nice comedy." And no, I don't think it was. It well, I know, wanted they to come into. They sitcom. tricked him. They said, "We're going to build this around you." <laughs> maybe just maybe playing. They to tricked his ego. him into a meeting. You can really? get it if you go online and saying, "But John Lithgow <laughs> tricked in meeting into doing Third Rock from the Sun." I never wanted to do a, a, an episodic sitcom. Bonnie and Terry Turner, this husband and wife comedy writing team who uh, created Third Rock, they had been on the writing staff of Saturday Night Live, two of the three times I was a guest host in the 1980s. So they wrote comic review material 
that I performed. And they saw me as a comic. And they became very good friends. My agent called me one day and said, your friends from New York, Bonnie and Terry Turner, want to have breakfast with you. And I thought, great. I'd love to see them. So I went off thinking this was a social engagement. And there were Bonnie and Terry and Carsey and Werner and Karen Mandebach, all these big shot Hollywood television producers at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills. And I thought, oh my god. I've been ambushed. <laughs> this is a pitch. And he's just, he is sublime in it. It is amazing. You'd think there'd be a few episodes there, or there'd be a few certain amounts of inventiveness. And I don't know if it was all scripted. I assume that, I feel that about half of it or a third of it is coming out of him, and you know, <laughs> a deal of it is scripted. But they also write, to, I know that. They write to his strengths. They write to his strengths. But he could just do anything. I got you a birthday card. <laughs> Happy birthday, you look like a million dollars. Oh. Old and wrinkled. <laughs> what kind of a cruel hoax is this? Uh, it's a Hallmark card. A Hallmark of degradation? <laughs> First line lulled me into a false sense of security, and the second line ripped out my heart and slapped me across the face with it, awakening me to harsh reality. Um, and the other guys were, were great in it as well. It's just... I, I was kind of staggered by because it's very difficult to watch. I don't think you can download it here. You can watch it. We had huge trouble. Yeah. I think it's on. Someone's put it on Daily Motion. So you yes, can just Daily about Motion. See it. That's why. Yeah. That's why. It's and, still visible on there. Which is, what's odd is it's, it was a very very big show and it won loads of Emmys. It won the most Emmys. Mm. Uh, and he did. Didn't and he won six. Won, yeah. He was nominated for six. Won three. Uh, uh, Kristen Johnston's won a couple yeah. for the performances. It's got it's got a reputation as being a very broad sort of mainstream show that's sort of a bit forgotten now. But it's it's really it was a really big show, really big hit for him, and he is skyscrapingly good. At it. No, no, please don't. It went so great, Fred said he liked me. Why won't he call? There, there. Oh. Maybe he can't call. Maybe his phone is out. Maybe he injured himself running with scissors or used a dry cleaning bag as a toy. But Lithgow, the, the thing about Lithgow is so amazing. It, it's this, this drama, this ability, and absolutely centered in his drama. Great dramatic work and a completely insane surreal comedy. And that is very tricky to pull off. You either get one or the other. Of course, they got around to saying what they wanted to have breakfast about. And they said, Terry, why don't you tell him? He says, well, we're developing this series about these four aliens. <laughs> and I thought, how am I going to just say no as graciously as I can and get out of here? Within five minutes, he'd persuaded me to be in Third Rock in the Sun. Because just exactly what you said, it was an opportunity to surprise people and be far, far more than any one thing even though it's only one character. An odd thing to try and describe is that it's a big show. Everyone's allowed to be big and, and, and be clowns and, be, and do lots of physical stuff. That the two leads are big. I mean, she's a very tall woman and he's a very tall oh, man. Like, like they're literally physically big, yeah. which is very funny because what they're playing, if people don't know the setup for Third Rock from the Sun, it's, it's for aliens who have adopted human form to do a research mission. Um, and they've got that lovely fish out of water thing of their aliens on Earth. But the other thing is they're inside their bodies is someone else, like in Big or Freaky Friday. They've got someone else inside them. Yeah. And there's something very funny about someone playing that 
giving that to a great actor and say, play it that there's someone else inside you. And their bigness becomes really funny. There's like clumsiness. They don't quite fit on the set. And they sort of bump into things. It's very, very funny. These were aliens who were trying to figure out how to be humans. So they kept trying different approaches and trying to, and trying to plumb the depths of different human mysteries. Well, that's what we're all doing. And it, doing it in this hilarious comedy context with this great premise that allowed me, a character actor, to just do everything week by week. Well, they're it's, like big kids, as in like they're, they're behaving like kids, but they're so huge. They're such big figures that it's funny that they're childlike. That there's yeah, well, it, the, the, that, the, the well, juxtaposition makes me laugh. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. For it. It, it is the great ability to, for me, it's the great ability to to have that childlike thing. And one thing that keeps that they, that it's a joke that John Lithgow's character does all the way through and can keep doing it, which is, it's all about me, me. I want more attention, which is essentially what we all have as kids. And then we're told it can't all be about you. There's no I in team. Yes, there is. If you could team me, you team, team, which you spell it with two eyes. That's how I spell it. You know, and, and everything's all about him. What's with Harry? Oh, don't bother him. He's transmitting my status report. Status report? To the big giant head? Oh. Why should we have to answer to that pencil-pushing desk jockey anyway? Frankly, I don't care what he thinks. What did it say about me? <laughs> and his character is put into that situation many, many times. And every time he says, again, I just think this is hysterical. Well, his, um, his role is the high commander, which yeah. is like the most sort of, I'm in charge, yeah. I'm the boss. And they call, they call him that. And there's a brilliant bit where he gets replaced by an identical version of yes. himself. When he, he gets sent home for failing the mission, they send another one and of him down. And he's very sexy. Yeah. And he's very sexy, but he's very, very high status and very, very sinister. And then the first thing he demands is, is that... I may open a box of cereal to get the prize, but I do not then have to eat the cereal. <laughs> So even the big high-status grown-up version of him is like a little five-year-old. There's no way of taking the little child out of that big man. It's very funny. Yeah, it's been, there's one episode where he's he's looking at pop-up books, and every time he opens a page, he goes, ah! And then he, then he just calms himself down and goes, and, But his, his, his screams are, are better than these screams that I'm doing now. They're just so so huge. It, yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful stuff. Is that what you liked, is that the sense of him being able to somehow be a respected uh, stage actor and a very high-status man, but also being a pure comedy at the same time. I, I, I'm amazed by that, because that's where I'm driving, and it's very difficult to pull off, because the... And still, the... If you imagine the broadcasters, the producers, the, they look. Are you? Are we? They want to put someone in who's going to draw a crowd, and and they don't quite believe that anyone can draw both crowds. And it is a tricky thing to pull off. You're going to be in a drama and pull a big drama crowd. You're going to be in a comedy and pull a big comedy crowd. They're going to be the same crowd or different crowd. No one knows how that works. And I'm I've I'm coming to contact with this all the time in doing dramas and films, and then doing. Uh, very surreal comedy, and, uh, and you know Steve Carell is another one who's done that, and he's moved away from it. Hugh Laurie has moved away yeah. from the comedy. Mm. Steve Carell, I think, has moved away from comedy. I'm do still doing them both, which is weird. And that, as the comedy kids say, is the end of part one. Uh, so look forward to part two, which should be dropping onto your podcast doormat pretty soon. Uh, hope you enjoy it. See you soon. <laughs>